Hi folks, the topic of this week's show is planning for plan B. We hope everything life goes as we hope, but what if it doesn't? Well, you need to have a plan B to deal with life's unexpected, stressful events. My guest today is Kylie Parker, accountant and author of the book, Planning Plan B. We talk about preparing for 10 of life's unexpected events, which might include death, divorce, unemployment and mental illness. Kylie tells us her unique personal story of dealing with these events in her life, and we discuss how both of us deal with these discussions in our respective professional practice. You'll also hear about where you can buy her fantastic book. In Ruben's rant, I give my take on projecting a horse race onto the opera house. Enjoy the show. G'day folks, welcome to the Finance Hour, wherever you are listening, either live on J-Air within Caulfield area, or you might be listening on the podcast. My name's Ruben Zelwa, I'm a financial planner, and the purpose of the show is to make sense of the world of business and finance, and hopefully help you make better decisions. Now this is show number 51, Uh, so we've been doing this for a little while, since about February last year. Uh, I encourage you to uh, subscribe on the Finance Hour on iTunes. That way you'll get them directly. We're on Stitcher as well. Or head over to my website, adaptwealth.com.au. And particularly if you do look on iTunes, I'd really appreciate if you would leave us a rate and review. So the topic of this week's show is planning plan B, uh, preparing for life's unexpected events. Uh, We've got a great guest today who's written a book on that very topic, uh, whose name is Kylie Parker, and I'm looking forward to having a good discussion with Kylie. I've just read her book. Uh, So that will be coming up very, very shortly. Uh, But before we do, it is time for Ruben's Rant. Now, my rant this week is about the Everest race in Sydney. That's Sydney's answer to our Melbourne Cup. Apparently, it is going to be shown on the Opera House on those big shells, is that what you call them? On the Opera House, they're going to actually be broadcasting a horse race. Now, this has caused a fair bit of uproar. Uh, There's been quite a bit of protest about it. I think about a 1,000 people camped out of the Opera House yesterday to protest putting a horse race onto, uh, you know, such a national symbol. Uh, There's a lot of divergence of opinion. Some people say, well, they should chill out. Uh, You know, this is the day and age where we do broadcast things everywhere. My personal point of view is I think the protesters have actually got a point. Uh, I don't think we should be um, showcasing horse racing so much. It's completely intertwined with gambling. I think it's also a bit disrespectful to put it on the Opera House, which is really a national icon. Uh, I don't like it at all. I don't know that it will be done overseas. I don't think they'd broadcast a horse race onto the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. Yeah, that's a little bit different because the Wailing Wall, the Kotel, is in fact a religious wall. But personally, I don't think it's appropriate, but it looks like, you know, there's money involved. I'm sure they're paying big bucks to have it done, and those protesters are going to be ignored, and it's going to go ahead. But in my view, it is not good enough. Okay, then uh, we're going to have a very short break, and then we will have Kylie Parker on the phone. G'day, folks. Welcome back to the Finance Hour. The topic of this week's show is planning plan B, preparing for life's unexpected events. 
Uh, I have today as my guest uh, on the phone, Kylie Parker, who is the author of the book that covers exactly that and an accountant as well. Kylie, have I got you on the line? You do. Thanks, Ruben. Excellent. Kylie, well, look, thank you very much for uh, for coming on. I'm not sure. I think at one time or another I was surfing the internet or maybe it was on social media and I found your book, Planning Plan B. It was a couple of years ago, I think. And, uh, and in fact, I've actually got a very nice note that you wrote in it. You said, Dear Reuben, thanks for the first order. Given there was no payment, please accept the first run free with a few typos. There you go. I didn't even pay for it. Oh, yeah. I had uh, the first run actually came through with some typos. And so you probably also find on the back there's uh, a sticker that's because shit happens, which was uh, also what I was wanting to uh, um. to have, but it was advised not. So, um, yes, uh, so your plan B was also a uh, renewed update of the book. But oh. yes, you, you're one of the first people that, um, that wasn't a friend that the book was uh, foisted upon to read it. So thank you very much. Yeah, no worries. Well, it's funny because I'm always looking at new guests and I had that book. I definitely did read it at the time I read most of it. And then it sort of ended up in a basket at home with a pile of other stuff. And I was just looking through it the other day and I saw it and I thought, oh, Kylie would be a good uh, guest for the show. So reached out and you were very... Um, you're very willing to do it, so thank you. Well, thank you. Oh, well, Kylie, um, let's just say, I don't think people necessarily wake up one morning, or, or maybe you did, uh, deciding to write a book like this. Can you give me a bit of background as to, uh, as to how it came about? Uh, yes, so as a, a chartered accountant, I've had a, a fair bit of experience with um, quite often helping clients um, through difficult sort of life events, whether that be through, I mean, one, actually one of my first jobs years ago was um, uh, a client died and at the time I was just um, asked to go out, I was given access to his uh, filing cabinet in his office and I just literally went through and found chair certificates and, and tried to work out a, a picture of you know, what his, his wealth was like, um, which you know, back then with paper-based records we could do easily. So something for me now very much from a practical accounting point of view is mm. with digital technology and, and everything being online is, is how would I actually obtain that information for my clients if something happened? Yes, yeah. I report it year on year, but, you know, actually the passwords, getting access, you know, cryptocurrencies. There's all sorts of risks now um, with our, our online assets that we just didn't have before. So that was a driver. And then mm. it was also just a personal um, life changes for me. Within a period of six weeks, I found out my then husband was having an affair with someone that uh, he worked with. Mm. And I also was in business with three guys. And I found out one of them, well, I sort of knew someone was um, having some, an affair. And I started suspecting it was with one of our managers. Oh, and, wow. Uh, yep. Yeah. So... Um, six weeks after I found out my husband was cheating, I was called into the boardroom. I'd been in business with these guys for 10 years, mm. and, um, and yeah, they, they asked me to leave. So I literally had you know, professional, you know, what am I going to do? I had my manager going on maternity leave mm. in a week. Um, you know, personally, I was trying to you know, struggle with emotionally, you know, just the deception and, and how that sort of, so, um, how I coped with that. So, and, just, and, just, yeah, so just to be clear, so there were three, there were four of you, three other partners, three other male partners, and, yes. and you uncovered that one of them was having an affair, uh, but then it was you who had to leave? Did the yes. one who was having an affair just get, you know, pissed off at you? Yeah, he did. I brought a personal matter into the business. 
You and, brought uh, personal matter. Okay, he didn't. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so that, that that's actually something I still, of everything that's uh, been resolved, it's probably the one thing that um, I just, at the time, couldn't deal with that as well. And, and so I still own a, a quarter of their, their practice. But um, You still own a quarter? I do, yeah. Oh, my so gosh. So it's on my to-do list at some point is to actually, so, you know, something like that, when you've got people that have got a lot of money and you're just in a situation where literally I was, I really did feel... I'd lost my dad to cancer mm. uh, about 10 years ago. He was 59. So I really felt very much, you know, I just needed to make sure that I kept my head above the above the water mentally, didn't get depressed, mm. um, and uh, looked after my kids. And uh, and that was something that I just had to, to sort of forget about. So, yes, it is it is something that I still need to do, but it's just wow. expensive lawyers. So how many, so. Years, how many years ago was this, the whole uh, uh, upheaval? About three and a half now. Oh, okay. So it's really not that long ago at all. No, it's, it's gone pretty quick, actually. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So that that experience was something that, as it happened, you just, um, you know, I literally had uh, lawyers at that point in time for, you know, um, I had a the commercial sort of litigation lawyer, uh, divorce lawyer. I tried to keep to a minimum. I mm. uh, did a lot of that legal work myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had to sell a house as well, and yeah. then also conveyancing lawyer. So I went through a period of, uh, you know, for me, you don't think these things are going to happen. I no. never thought anything like that would happen to me, never mind both at once. And mm. uh, and it's just when you're in that position, emotionally, you are really stressed. And so you're also then trying to work out, you know, well, what kind of lawyer do I need? Um, how do I go about doing this, you know, with a divorce, you know, what um, what do you actually need to be looking after in terms of consent orders for kids, financial mm. settlement, what's the process? So I did a lot of research and so really, uh, yeah, I think the book was written, it was like, well, I've been through all this, I've done a lot of research, I've also had the professional experience uh, as a background, so I wanted to write something that I'm hoping that people, you know, it, it is a pre-planning tool so that if by preparing practically and legally, you put these sort of things in place in the event something does happen, and hopefully it doesn't, then you're actually in a position where you can more easily deal yeah. with the emotional side and that stress because the other bits are taken care of. Yeah, well, I mean, there's some of these things, and we'll talk about the 10 stressful life events that you go through in the book, but obviously some have got to do with death, and, uh, you yeah. know, it's not, a, it's not a matter of if that's going to happen, that's a when. So it's, uh, you know, some of these things you hope may not happen and they may not, but death certainly of uh, you know of oneself or of a spouse or family member, yeah, yep. is going to happen. So even from that point of view, now I'll, at the very beginning of the book, you've got uh, something called the Holmes uh, and Ray stress scale. So what that does is talk about the different sort of stress values of of different events uh, which happen. Can you just explain a little bit about that? Obviously, there's been some research which says you know which particular type of events. Are most stressful, and if you've had you know a number of these happen to you, then you know you're, you're at risk of just blowing up. Yep. Uh, so that was something that I, I came about in my research. At one point, I had stress hives, um, mm. and uh, and so what uh, two psychologists did, um, a psychiatrist in the '60s, was develop what they called like a life-changing unit, and so the stress scale was really aimed at helping. Uh, doctors and, and the medical profession as a, a pre-indicator for mm. people that have, you know, who, who are going to develop sort of more serious illnesses. And what they sort of linked it to was that quite often people that have a large number of these stressful events occur 
then they're more likely to have health issues in mm. future. Mm. So I think sometimes too, you know, when you see, you know, what high levels of stress can do to your body and your immune system and, and obviously your mental health, mm. that by able to um, have an understanding of how that does impact you and, and really sort of then, you know, the book doesn't go into this part of it, but but what kind of things can you put in place that really help um, reduce your sort of stress le- mm. levels when you are going through experiences like this? Yeah, yeah. Um, So it might be, you know, meditation, yoga, hot mm. baths. Mm. Um, and I have got um, a counsellor who I actually um, did use through the divorce process. She's actually been kind enough to write um, quite a significant bit of content for the book in where she does help about um, so both with dealing with mental health issues mm. and also post-divorce with some tips around, you know, how to be kind to yourself to, to help you through that. Yeah, well, it is interesting, the, um, you know, the, the whole list of life events on that Holmes and Ray scale it goes from number one to 41, number one being death of a spouse, being the most stressful event, down to yeah. number 41, minor, minor violations of the law. But, I mean, there's other, there's interesting ones in here as well that you don't necessarily consider you know there's things like having a mortgage over of more than a hundred thousand dollars you know down the line there's even something called major change in church activities um you know there's lots of interesting things and some of them of which you wouldn't you know necessarily uh you know necessarily associate with stress um but it's interesting that that you know there's a whole range of things going from the most major to to minor and i suppose if those minor things you know accumulate um, then, you know, they can also be st- stressful if you have a number of them. Yeah, definitely. And uh, and what I tried to do with the book was really just focus on, um, like, unexpected stressful events yeah. as well. So that, um, if, for, for example, a lot of people find retirement, you know, an extremely stressful mm. period. You're redefining who you are. Um, a lot of uh, people's sort of ego, confidence, status is tied up in, in our work. Um, but I kind of left that for... Um, we kind of joke around doing a planning plan A. So there are things that you can plan for. So yeah. when you talk about, um, you know, say a divorce, you could talk about planning plan A is the wedding because weddings are still actually a quite stressful mm, event. Mm. Um, yeah, so, but, yeah, but you could, so, yeah, you, so, yeah. you could just go on the, and the on The book is on. very much, yeah, aimed at um, sort of uh, picking 10 things that you, you know, could happen, but you don't generally think are going to happen. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just going to read through just for the benefit of our listeners the the ten uh, the ten events which you actually chose, uh, yeah. and I also feel like they go into uh, looking through it. I felt like they go into three main categories. I thought there was you know death, um, some kind of breakdown of of relationship, uh, and health. That was what I sort of saw. So. Um, just going through them, first is death, so I imagine that's death of oneself, although I wouldn't have thought that's so stressful for the person that dies, but more for everyone else. No, no. <laughs> but I suppose it's something you need to plan for. Um, death of a spouse or close family member, that's obviously at, at the top. Uh, divorce or separation without kids, uh, divorce or separation with kids, uh, disability uh, due to accidents or illness, uh, number six, dismissal from employment. Seven, disaster occurring while traveling. Eight, dissolution of business due to financial loss or unforeseen events. Number nine, uh, depression, mental illness or dementia. Uh, And number ten, distressed sale of home. 
So would you agree that sort of the those are the three sort of categories: death, breakdown, a relationship, and health? Or is there any other way you'd sort of categorise them? Um, I think for for me, I, I still find it interesting when you look at that list of ten events that they're actually still all around like people and people that you love. So that mm. um, in terms of the impact, um, yes, I'd probably agree. Obviously, there's you know, the death, and if you do die, it's not stressful to you. Um, so that was one that, yes, when I put it in there, um, was sort of where I do it. But if we kind of don't pre-plan our own deaths, then it's still going to be stressful for everyone around us. Mm. Um, uh, the divorce, I actually have also experienced a divorce with kids and a divorce mm. without kids. Mm. So I split that because it, the, the two things that people you know, tend to end up in court over are fighting over their children and their financial assets. Mm. And so they are different um, sort of experiences. Mm. Um, I imagine and with then, kids is more stressful because it's both of them, or or not necessarily. Yes, um, oh, I mean I think everyone's experience is, is different and unique, so mm. I wouldn't say one's more than the other. Yeah, you know, just the, the the reasons leading up to it and where people are, um, you know, just emotionally and how people cope with the resilience or mm. the support network. Mm. Um, I would say though, with having children, because you are linked for the rest of your life mm. um, and so th- there's a, a different element of um, you know, potential for conflict really um, and, and even you know I, I, in terms of what's happened with, with my ex I sort of I had a mantra that was very much I can't control what happens to me but I can control my reaction mm. um, and that was something for me which you know I always made sure I put the boys first and they were a priority um, mm. through all that but but it's something, you know, had I not had children, I would happily probably not have spoken to him ever again. Um, yeah. But, you know, I didn't have that luxury. Yeah, so yeah. That, that's why there's sort of uh, the two. And then I suppose, yes, everything else would be health-related apart from, um, you know... Business dissolution uh, so it's really business a lot. or... So I'd probably say it's death, health, the divorce, and then a, a loss of a, a financial mm. um, security, really, the distress out of home dissolution of a business or dismissal for employment. That, that's mm. really your sort of your financial base of which you can, yeah. you know, live, how you live your life. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, obviously we're talking really sad stuff here, but, I mean, death of a spouse or close family member, you know, if you talk about a plan B for that, I mean, how can you, you know, for one's own death, I guess you can plan, you've got, you make sure you've got your wills in place, your affairs in order, that makes it easy yeah. for someone else. But how could you possibly plan you know, for someone else's death and the effect that it's going to have on you? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you can ever plan for the, the effect it's going to have emotionally. Mm. Um, but, it, but if you are a sort of a, you know, if you are a, a stay-at-home mother and you don't, you know, you're not involved in the finances because some people do like to just hand over responsibility and you're in a situation where you don't understand mm. um, where your bank accounts are, yeah. um, is there life insurance, do you have mm. wills? Mm. I, I think at some point you've also then got to take ownership of that. And, and so that's what the book's really designed for as well. Sometimes just to be able to start a conversation. Mm. So I mentioned in the book that, you know, by having the book on your bedside table at night, it just, you know, well, why, what, what's that book about? Why have you got it there? Mm. Well, you know, and we, we talk about sometimes how to start a story. Well, I heard a friend had something happen and I just, I wanted to know where, you know, if something happened, where I'd be at. So it is really hard conversations to have, mm. but if you don't have them, the, you know, the downside is should something unfortunately occur, that's going to be a much 
harder situation to deal with than if you just tried to be upfront about. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, we were having a bit of a chat uh, on the phone earlier today about this. You know, I, I have a fair bit of experience professionally with this. Um, obviously, you know, there's often a challenge in financial advice and when you're dealing with accounting, it, it, sometimes you can fall into the trap of just dealing with one member of the couple. Uh, you know, there are, you know, when you have both members, it's d- there. It's definitely better. But sometimes, you know, the client leads with just the one, uh, and you know, there is a challenge in sort of getting the spouse engaged in it uh, rather than just delegating. Having said that, you know, I've had a few situations where, you know, that was the case where just one spouse, you know, pretty much dealt with it. But having the fact that I was across the whole situation had been deal with their accountant, you know, something happened. I had a couple of times of, you know, deaths of that sort of spouse who was the main, um, you know, the, the person who was most involved in it. Um, yeah. But, you know, I was happy I could provide enormous value given that I understood the situation to then, um, you know, to then work with the spouse. I, I think it would be exceptionally difficult if you didn't have a, you know, in that situation, if you didn't have a professional that intimately knows, you know, knows your situation, I, you know, I think it would be exceptionally difficult. Because I, I know some just some of the issues you deal with, you know, as you say, locating all the investments, the insurance, you know, all the tax issues as well. You know, it, there's so it's so easy for things to get missed, and if you don't have someone who knows, you know, where to look for all them, you know, it's it's a it's a big big deal. Yeah, yep. I had um, uh, it wasn't one of my personal clients, but where I worked previously, um, uh husband and wife, her husband had been um, quite successful, so he'd retired mm. in his mid-40s. And they'd had a lot of trouble uh, having a child, but they eventually mm. had a little boy. And, um, and at the time, my uh, co-partner, he'd sort of been helping with some wills, but things hadn't been really, hadn't been finalised. And, um, and the, the father and son were killed in a light plane crash. Mm. And so at the time, because the, the wife wasn't... Um, Said, in terms of the last will, it was signed to his family. And, uh, and so the family left it as it was, but then she later met somebody else and mm. had, uh, had twins. And then that was when the family took it to court. So mm. it's it still just, I think, for me, um, having seen different examples uh, professionally of, I mean, and, and, you know, the, the book talks about um, Prince. So, you know, we can sort of also have a look at celebrity case examples mm. of people that by by not just being clear and, you know, in your instructions as to what you want to have happen, that something when it ends up in a court, you know, so much money in terms of legal fees, mm. the time involved, um, and, and so it's really just uh, a way of if, you know, nobody wants to think about it, but it's, mm. everyone works really hard to protect their loved ones while they're alive. But sometimes there's this mentality of, oh, it doesn't matter because I'm not around. Yeah, <laughs> what happens afterwards? It's but very it's, true. Um, and, and I, yeah. yeah, and people also, I think, underestimate, you know, they think that their family's all, all good and fine and all their kids get mm. on well. Um, yep. Yeah. I think people overestimate that considerably. And often, you know, when the uh, parent is around or the grandparent is around, you know, that that's kind of the glue that keeps families together. And when that person is gone... Um, you know, that sort of underlying resentment that's probably been there all along comes to the fore. And then that, you yeah. know, that gets revealed in terms of, um, you know, battles over estates. Mm, yeah, definitely. So... I think professionally, yeah, we've all seen families that are really close being torn apart by, you know, who took rings and 
Yeah, it's funny. Sometimes I think, you know, when when someone passes away, uh, you've got all those sort of really strict sort of legal rules. Their bank accounts get frozen. Mm. No one can do anything. And then you've got to wait for this probate. And sometimes, you know, when that occurs, you look at it and think, oh, it's just this massive sort of bureaucratic issue that I've got to go go through. But, you know, mm. there's really good reason for why those laws exist. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, uh, I actually, in researching the book, um, there's a lot of things that I still um, obviously sort of learnt along the way. And, and one was even just if... Um, so I've got, a, I've got a few friends that their parents have moved to Queensland. Mm. And, uh, and so, you know, they've actually still got their children as the executors. But then in Queensland, you actually have to have an executor that is in, living in Queensland. Mm. So there's things like that as well that you think you've got something in place as a plan and then you find out that that you have an in this instance of a friend that it's um it's her mother's um her stepfather and then so the will's being contested now by um uh his son who he's been had been estranged from for sort of 20 odd years mm. so there's so many cases where i, I think the, the thing for me too is um and i sort of can talk about this later is just um you know, it's one thing to, you know, everybody puts things off, then it's actually planning for it, and then it's uh, making sure it's documented, but also just the communication. So if you've got um, a, a family that you know is likely to have potential issues, you, you really, it's so important to actually ensure that documents are in place and uh, and they're communicated as well, as to so everybody knows up front what's expected. Mm. And, uh, and on board with that because I think that, that process is still what then reduces the risk of any um, issues down the track because yeah. people know, well, that I heard it from them, that's what they wanted, there's no ambiguity around mm. uh, their wishes. Yeah, and the other thing which I, I think also just occurred to me as I was looking through this list, I mean, as a financial planner, I do advise on insurance for people. Um, and there are certain parts of these events that you can actually insure for. Like you can obviously have life insurance, which insures you for death. Uh, it's always yeah. great that it's named life insurance. It's really death insurance. Um, so that can insure you for that. Obviously, it doesn't deal with all those other matters. And you know, once you're beyond a certain age, you tend to not have life insurance. But that, that can certainly deal with a part of it. Disability you know, or incapacity. I mean, a lot of the time that can be, or, 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 or the financial aspect of it, I guess, can be dealt with by insurance. So insurance does have a, a pretty big part to play. It's not certainly not Definitely. the entire answer, yep. but it's pretty important though, isn't it? It is. It's extremely important. And I mean, uh, that sort of, um, I think through most of the chapters, chapters, there's always some level of, you know, whether it be mortgage insurance. So sometimes mm. there's a misconception that mortgage insurance is, well, if I can't pay, that's covered. And said, well, no, um, we've kind of got redundancy insurance in there. So there's mm. there's lots of ways. And it, it does talk about, though, obviously, um, you know, so having some sort of uh, safety plan, a bit of a backup fund. Um, a lot of people, you know, when you look in the, the media, if something is happening, then people are going to go fund me as their, mm. their, their backup plan. Mm. Um, and, and really, when you're in that sort of situation where, um, in particular, I talk about in um, disasters occurring whilst you're travelling. So mm. if you've got young, you know, family members that are travelling and they don't have travel protection or travel insurance, then you know the fallback is is you as quite often the parent, and the costs there are, can be astronomical. I mean, there's mm. people that do have to sell family homes, 
to be able to get um, their, their children back. So, I mean, just mm. the, the horrific nature of, of that, um, you know, one, you've lost a child, and then two, you're dealing with a quite often a foreign country yeah. and their legalities of, of trying to bring a you know, child's body home. Yeah, and it's actually, um, it's actually unfortunate sometimes because, you know, I was having discussion with people and people always focus on the, the bad things of insurance, so the, pro- the, the times when they don't pay out or the times where they, you know, they make it a bit difficult to claim on. You know, nobody yeah. talks about sort of the 90, you know, 95% probably higher cases where it all goes through smoothly. And I think also, yeah. you know, potentially this last Royal Commission that's happened as well has shown all the bad and ugly side of the insurance industry. And I'm not saying that, that an ugly side doesn't exist. It certainly does. But it's not the full picture. And I just hope that it doesn't discourage people from, um, you know, from taking insurance. Well, I, I think what it should encourage, though, is actually, again, forming a relationship with uh, mm. someone who is the sort of insurance broker because that, is, you know, it's one thing to sell insurance, but the, you know, and people talk about commissions, but when someone's actually going through the claims process, having that person to be able to help you through that process and ensure that you are getting what you're entitled mm. to and the products are the right for you at the start, yeah. um, I think it's really important. And I've had my insurance broker now for, I think, 12, 12 years and been through a couple of <laughs> couple of divorces mm. um, and, and so just knowing though that you know that there is normally a bit of a uh, see that annually or if, if I sort of contact him a bit of a check up and making sure okay this is, this is currently my mortgage situation income yeah. um, you know what do we ne- really need to be protecting mm. um, and uh, and making sure that that's sort of adjusted along the way yeah but there's no insurance for divorce though is there I certainly I certainly no. <laughs> uh, actually I do mention that um, a friend of mine, she calls it divorce insurance, but it is actually um, her and her husband have a regular uh, check-in with a, a counsellor, mm. and, and so that often quite just be, you know, quite often again it comes down to communication, and and most, you know, uh, I still feel most relationships end up uh, the, the start of the split is someone's not communicating properly, or there's some breakdown there, and mm. then you know, things escalate. And yeah. uh, so by sitting down and having those conversations with somebody in the room that can help. Um, Sometimes it's explain differences of opinion, really, to mm. think about things differently. Mm. That, that for them is uh, her, her take on mortgage and, uh, divorce insurance. Yeah. And look, the other interesting one also from my perspective is the, is the business stuff as well. I mean, I personally had a couple of um, you know, traumatic events. One was a, a business sort of split up. Um, probably not, well, there was no affair or anything. So, you know, that was just a, a difference of direction. But that was where we had to split the business and that was extremely stressful. Um, And I learned a lot from that. It took a big toll at the time, um, but I think I would deal deal with it better the next time. But unfortunately, you know, a number of years after that, I had another young business partner who I was tragically killed in a car accident. Um, Yeah, so that that was that as well. Although, you know, that second time round, I mean, that was obviously completely, you know, out of left field. Um, mm. But I did. We did have there in in process like a good business buy sell agreement uh, and yeah. an insurance policy. You know, key person insurance policy. So, you know, th- having that at the time was just invaluable. It meant that you know I could focus on helping his um, you know his oh. his spouse w- and without having any of those sort of financial complications between us. And it it just made things a hell of a lot easier. Yeah. Yep. But I mean, those, so, business, yeah, sorry, go on. So, yeah, no, it, it's actually, I find most people that if, um, 
they do have sort of an interest in the book because generally you have, I think you can go through life thinking you're invincible mm. until you're not. Mm. And it's, it's people that have had something happen that then kind of go, okay, well, I, I'm not infallible and I do need to start thinking about things. And um, so, yes, yeah, so having had that experience, that's the thing you sort of you can understand the value in in, uh, in definitely insurance policies and and, um, and why you sort of put that in place. Yeah, and in those business agreements as well. But mm. th- those, um, yeah, but those can be difficult to do in partnerships as well. Like actually getting around and everyone agreeing on what happens with, if the if the partnership breaks down. <laughs> Especially yeah. sometimes, you know, the, the the discussion about that only happens when there is a problem. So you've got to yeah. you've got to yeah. work it out before there's a problem. But 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 it's certainly a tricky area that those sort of uh, business agreements with partners. I mean, I've had you know in terms of advising clients on that sort of thing. I've found it difficult. I've found you know you can start the process with people, but it but it it's difficult to get the whole process done. Um, so that's just one of the things professional I've always found challenging getting people to to do those you know buy sell type policies and business succession arrangements. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just a challenge I think because you've got different people with different objectives trying to get something done. Yeah, I, I actually went to um, uh, the CPA held an event. Uh, last week talking about um, governance and mm. uh, the case study was around sort of succession planning and um, and I find and the question that I asked of um, the woman who was running it was just how do you sometimes turn your accounting hat off because we still kind of come at it from that angle you know how much is the business worth um, if you employ somebody else what their expectations of salaries you know to me those are the questions that I always naturally mm. want to ask yeah. um, is it, so it's, uh, it's the same with, um, uh, I think, when you know, people are dealing through, uh, whether it be divorce or um, an estate planning or succession planning, those those topics are where it's not just about finances, it's sort of also emotional reasons. And, and, and being able to ask those questions and do that in a manner, I find that is a, you know, is a skill. Unfortunately, I, I uh, haven't developed it yet. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you... Um, I guess in your professional life, you can get specialised in doing certain things. And on one hand, uh, you know, that's good to be really, really good at accounting and tax and the like. Um, but it might mean that you're not meeting your client's other needs. You know, whether you can find someone else, another professional that you trust who's, you know, who's expert in that, that's great. But it's not always, it's not always easy to find that person. So I suppose it's always in small business, it's a challenge of how much, you know, do we spread ourselves in terms of what, what we do versus versus just using others, but it's not always yeah. easy to find someone else who who's got the same sort of mindset as yourself. No, and, and I've still seen so many people that start off in um, mediation mm. and uh, and still end up in the, the court system, mm. and uh, and the, the outcome probably would have been you know the same as if um, you know if they hadn't spent the money on legal fees, if they'd just taken the split later on. So I, I do hope that there's some things around divorce in particular that, um, you know, sort of talking about automation of, um, uh, you know, uh, law legislation and cases and and so that there's a, a few apps that are starting to come on to the market now that are really starting to go, okay, well, you know, really at the end of the day, anything, and again, even for, um, for estate planning cases, you know, all a lawyer does is going to, old case law and looking at what facts are similar and coming up mm. with an answer, putting those facts to something. So 
I, I kind of do hope that, um, you know, technology does disrupt a, a, a quite a painful and emotional process that, mm. you know, to me, um, overly expensive um, based on just um, the access to information. That yeah. Yeah, so artificial intelligence should should make that access to information a bit easier. Yeah. So the other one, obviously, yeah. uh, which is a big one, is number nine, and that's sort of you know there's depression, mental illness, dementia. I guess you know the the thing with that that you know depression and mental illness that will often coincide with those other things, really, won't it? So it's kind of in some ways it's encompassed in in a in a way. I mean, sometimes yeah, it, well, it's, it's not necessarily, but often it will be. Yeah, and it's actually World Mental Health Day today oh is it yeah, it is yeah so um and uh and i agree kind of some of those events if they happen that's you know that's probably where you are going to end up is um you know and, and just you know understandably as well mm. but um i think one of the things that i learned and i sort of talk about it in the book is that um my father who was um had a, a law degree um quite a distinguished career mm. um very strong um, confident man and, and seeing him um, have bipolar mm. and, and so that for me was something it was uh, I think I'd had that mindset that if you know if you do especially when you're younger again this sort of um, uh, you're infallible is that if you are suffering depression or mental mm. health that it's a weakness a personal weakness and having seen my dad it was like well, it's the same illness as if you've got a physical illness and mm. um, something that people can't help and, and so you know everybody's got um, different ways of, of coping and, and dealing with things. I, um, you know, I was very lucky. I had a, a huge support network of friends, and um, and then you know, for me, it was yoga and mm. um, and and just having to get through because I had the kids. I didn't have a choice. It was sort of you know, get up, get to yeah, work. Yeah, you got to keep going. Um, yeah, yeah. And did you and, say uh, some? Yeah. And, and sometimes though, I do talk about it with um, the you know, death of a close family member. Is that I do think our society that sometimes doesn't allow people at the time period to grieve. Mm. So, so, you know, if you've got four weeks on your leave and something happens that, you know, someone's world totally, you know, just been shaken up, up and there's still this expectation that we used to got your day-to-day tasks and your things mm. to do and... Um, yeah, yeah. I, yeah I do well, that's that. one thing that the Jewish religion, um, you know, we have a sort of a pretty, you know good sort of mourning process you know there's a week where you know you don't go to work or anything and people visit you and you talk about it then there's a month of less intense mourning but there's actually even a full 11 months um of some sort of mourning and then uh, you only then come out of it i reckon that's um you know yeah it's a sensible process uh okay look well we're coming towards the the end of the um the end of the show and it's been a really good chat uh, I know that this is probably a difficult one, but I normally do ask my uh, listeners for their top three tips. Uh, so it might not be easy to distill given everything we've discussed, but I would like your top three tips for dealing with life's unexpected stressful events. Okay. I, uh, I think planning would have to be number one. Um, yep. So I, I think f- for me, I'd describe it you know, People sometimes take more care in, in planning what they're going to uh, eat for the week in terms mm-hmm. of you, you have a grocery list and, and you take that to the shops and, and ensure that you get the items that you that you need. And, uh, you know, everybody knows what it's like at home if you run out of toilet paper. It's chaos. So <laughs> it's, um, thinking about that same process of going, okay, well, actually plan, um, you know, read the book, do some of your own research, um, understand the terms, what's important in a will, what's mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. what, when you go overseas, um, you know, what kinds of insurance are available, um, what's applicable. So definitely um, planning for an unexpected event. I don't think it jinxes things. Um, I think you know, any large company has got a risk management policy. Just this is your life uh, risk management policy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, number two would be uh, storing that information mm. so that, um, I mean, obviously there's a, a whole lot of um, uh, different opinions on the, the My Health site, but in there you can actually store advanced care records, which mm. so for me, if something happened to me, I actually would want the doctors and the people that are actually, you know, front of line caring for me, um, knowing what it is that I want to do. So I, I probably something that I, um, you know, I would put in my health care plan, but again, yep. everyone's got different opinions there. Mm-hmm. Um, another one, um, I had a gentleman by the name of Eddie Lee. Uh, he was really great for me in helping me complete the book. He sort of um, would meet and he'd, he read the book and, and he's got an app called Now Sorted. Mm. And, um, and that is very much based around um, your estate plans, putting put in information that if something happens to you, a trigger event occurs and that gets, collated and put into a really good document and sent to the appropriate people that you've listed. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or there's always, you know, there's a safe, there's with your lawyer, there's uh, things like Dropbox. So it's just making sure that somebody mm. knows so where these documents are. And then the final one would be uh, communication. Yeah. So, you know, very much that if something happens to you and you're stressed, there's other people around you, or, um, whether that be professionals, family, friends, um, that, that know what it is. Um, you're actually wanting to uh, to be able to do in those circumstances. All right, terrific. Thanks for those top three tips. Now, Kylie, just before we go, uh, where can people uh, find about you and, or, or more importantly, where can they purchase the book? Uh, so, planningplanb.com yep. is uh, the website for the book and on there there's links to... Uh, so, it is actually available through all online bookstores. Terrific. So, Amazon, Booktopia, um, and then... Um, through each of those sites as well. You can sort of order a book online or just, as, as you did, you came through my website and um, and you got a copy. There is a free chapter on the website around um, divorce with kids because I sort of do my age group. Unfortunately, it's something that I know a lot of people are going through. Mm. So I do try and help with that process as well. So if anyone is in a situation where they're going through a divorce, it does give some um, practical tips around setting up your consent orders for children and, and just issues that can pop up um, that you just, you know, if you've got young children in particular, you don't think of, you know, who's going to pray for braces mm. down the track? What if they want tattoos? You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, terrific. Well, Kyle, look, it's been a great discussion. Uh, it's filled in some of the gaps that I had when I read the book. So thank you very much for your time. And I guess some of our listeners uh, will hopefully go on and read a bit more about you and potentially, uh, you know, buy the book as well because it's a very useful read. Thank you. Thanks, Ruben, very much for having me on your show. Terrific. Okay, then. Goodbye. Great. Thanks. Bye. Okay, folks. Well, that pretty much wraps up the show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, We will be back again as usual next week. Until then, have a great week.